Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, Minnesota Broadcasting Hall of Famer Mark Rosen with the latest on some significant changes in his work life. It's been a newsworthy week for educators across the state and an in-depth chat with one of Minnesota's most successful wildlife stamp artists. But first... It's inevitable this time of year, with the campaign reaching fever pitch at T-minus two weeks to the election, that MNN's Bill Werner comes calling with a promise to update us on things that, frankly, some people are getting pretty sick of at this point. I asked him what he plans to do to make things interesting. Smorgasbord, Scott. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Try to make a little sense of it. Let's serve up a healthy political portion, beginning with a race that had been, frankly, kind of ho-hum for election after election, but not this time around. Minnesota Attorney General Contest, which gained the spotlight when the current occupant of that office, Lori Swanson, launched what turned out to be an unsuccessful bid for governor. This year, the Attorney General race has received as much media attention as the governor and U.S. Senate contests, and maybe more. The issue that Democrat Keith Ellison's campaign wants to get beyond and that his opponent, Republican Doug Wardlow, wants voters to remember is allegations of domestic abuse from Ellison's former girlfriend, Karen Monahan. She has not released a video she says she had of the alleged incident. And so a couple of media organizations, the Star Tribune and the conservative website Alpha News, asked the courts to unseal records of Ellison's earlier divorce to see if there were any allegations of domestic abuse there. The documents released this week after a court battle contain no allegations that Ellison physically abused his ex-wife, but he did accuse her of repeatedly hitting him throughout their marriage. Meanwhile, the campaign for Ellison's Republican opponent, Doug Wardlow, said the divorce documents reveal Ellison, quote, put his wife's health at risk by refusing to pay health insurance ordered by the court. Wardlow's campaign calls it astounding hypocrisy, given Ellison's pledges to protect health care for Minnesotans. The Ellison campaign did not respond. At the same time, Democrats and LGBTQ groups went on the offensive against Wardlow, who has done legal work for the Christian advocacy group Alliance Defending Freedom, and a notable departure from his usual style. State Senator Jim Carlson from Egan had pointed personal criticism of Wardlow, saying he's known the Republican attorney general candidate since he was born and his children went to school with him. I knew then and experienced then what I've always known since about Doug, that he's an anti-gay bully, who seeks to belittle and discriminate against people based on who they are. He has terrorized gay students, and I have no doubt that the same hateful spirit that I saw in him then is still who he is today. Minnesotans must reject Doug Wardlow and his hateful vision for Minnesota. Wardlow's campaign called Carlson's statements downright false and demanded an apology. They say Democratic AG candidate Keith Ellison worked for a hate group headed by Louis Farrakhan, who has called homosexuality filth. Ellison's campaign did not respond. The question that still remains after this week's back and forth is whether the allegations of domestic abuse by Ellison's ex-girlfriend will turn any Democratic voters, presumably women in particular, away from him at the polls in November. We asked Erica Motter, chair of the DFL party's Stonewall Caucus, about that. Stonewall DFL's members live all over the state. We all, everyone in this room and folks across Minnesota are capable of holding multiple complex truths at once. But we are all 100% united in our knowledge that Doug Wardlow is uh, not just inappropriate for the attorney general's office, but actually a danger to our lives here. 
every we are all on the same page about that, regardless of who the Democratic opponent might even be. But do some members of the DFL's Stonewall Caucus have qualms about Ellison? Our members are, frankly, kind of all over the place on this. But um, while we all wish in every race that we could cast a proactive vote for uh, the best person for the job, we know that that's not always the case. And we can both vote for people who we know will be champions for us, which we have no reason to believe Congressman Ellison would not be a champion for us. Enough on the Attorney General's race for now. Let's move over to the race for U.S. Senate, that seat that came open when Al Franken resigned amid allegations of sexual harassment. Republican U.S. Senate candidate Karen Housley this week blamed Democratic rival Tina Smith for what she calls a child care crisis in Minnesota. Owsley says Smith, when she was in the Dayton administration as lieutenant governor, put overburdensome regulations on providers over the past eight years, forcing many out of business. If you can't hold a sleeping baby and you get fined $200, or you get fined for uh, another $200 because you have a dog dish with water in it because it's a possible drowning situation. A spokesman responded Smith and the U.S. Senate voted for an historic $5.8 billion increase in child care funding over two years and says Smith supports measures to make child care more affordable for working families. And something came up this week that's outside the usual list of topics that candidates are firing shots at each other about this time of the year. Minnesota Attorney General Lori Swanson sued the nation's three major insulin manufacturers alleging they deceptively raised list prices, meaning bigger rebates going to companies who decide which medications are covered by insurance to ensure their brand of insulin stays on formulary lists. The attorney general brought up Amanda Swanson, no relation, who told reporters she has health insurance but had to ration her insulin to buy groceries for her family. How would that make you feel if you had to decide to, you know, not feed your kids or, like, limit yourself? I mean, it's a pretty terrible feeling. Attorney General Swanson has filed that lawsuit in U.S. District Court in New Jersey. But of course, an election is coming up and Swanson will leave office in January. She says about her successor. I sure hope they continue it. I mean, this is a really important case for the people of Minnesota. Democratic candidate Keith Ellison says as attorney general, he will, quote, hold pharmaceutical companies accountable and protect coverage for pre-existing conditions. A spokesman for Doug Wardlow says the Republican candidate will not comment on any cases which might be before him if elected Minnesota Attorney General. And finally, in the context of an issue that continues to be a major factor in this campaign, this clip from Senator Amy Klobuchar on ABC's The View. Her reaction to Hillary Clinton supporting Bill Clinton's decision not to resign over the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Mrs. Clinton arguing it was not an abuse of power. Klobuchar says about that. We all know that in those kinds of power situations, age doesn't matter. But once again, if we spend our whole time right. relitigating the past and talking about what men have done instead of what women can do, right. we're never we are, we are we're never going to give the women a chance to do it. Yeah. And that's what this election is about. Scott, thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she, she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve. Is now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. 
I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single, boys. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. WCCO Television Sports Director Mark Rosen recently announced he would be reducing his workload and step away from his sports anchoring duties at Channel 4 coming up in the spring of 2019. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm sat down with the Minnesota Broadcast Hall of Famer Mark Rosen for Minnesota Matters. I think, Rosie, the last time you joined us, it was your final Rosen Sports Sunday, and mm-hmm. now here within the past few weeks, you've announced that uh, the uh, uh, TV portion of your long, illustrious Hall of Fame career uh, at least slowly is winding down. Yeah, I, I'm glad you, you didn't use the word, uh, Mike, retirement, because uh, it's it, I kind of, when people say, oh, I heard you're retiring, and I kind of go, oh, I'm not really retiring, <laughs> I'm going to still do radio, I'm still doing all these other projects. But yes, I mean, it, um, it's been an incredible ride, and I knew this day would come, and I've always wanted to sort of be like anyone else. You want to be in control of that decision, and um, I pushed it forward a little sooner than I probably was intending to for, you know, no other reason. I think it's been pretty well publicized. My wife's going through some pretty serious health issues uh, after uh, discovering a brain tumor. So, but, you know, it's it's for all the right reasons, and um, um, it's been a hell of a ride, and I've still got you know, more than a few months to go and yep. excited to finish with a, with a flurry and still enjoying it every day. But yes, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be leaving after, after it would be almost 50 years from the time I walked in as a high school junior, which is really ridiculous to think about. Think about that. High school junior. Yeah, just hanging out. Stayed there, never left. Well, fortunately, they didn't have intern programs like they have in not only in television right now, but in a lot of businesses where mostly as a, as a, a junior in college, you're allowed to come in, uh, you get credit for it. You're there for three months. You learn as much as you can, and then you leave. Uh, well, when I walked in the door, there was no such thing as an internship program. I just uh, happened to have a neighbor who was leaving WCCO Television, name of Phil Jones, who called Hal Scott, who was a sports director, and said, "I got this kid across the street bugging me. Do you mind if he just shows up?" And I, and I did. And uh, to this day, I don't know why they didn't make me leave. I mean, it certainly <laughs> wasn't anything special. I was just hanging out, filling out, you know, taking high school scores on a Friday night, and. And uh, you know, grabbing, ripping, and uh, reading uh, wire copy, and typing till my fingers started bleeding, and figuring out how to write copy into legible copy that somebody could read on the air. So, but I learned the basics from the best uh, that probably ever existed in a local newsroom. So um, it all it all turned out somehow, some way, and it's it's just incredible how in a flash it, it's gone by this fast. And you think of all the different things over the years that you've covered. I know you're going to. Um, I, I think kind of the last marquee event will be the Final Four at U.S. Bank Stadium in terms of of mm-hmm. full time mm-hmm. uh, work in TV. Right, and and right. so uh, you get one more marquee event. Had Super Bowl last year and. Um, all kinds of different things over the course of your career. Well, yeah, and a lot of them locally based as well. Um, I, I think you think, of course, longtime fans here. <laughs> we haven't had that many bright spots, but uh, you know, the '87 and '91 World Series. But m- more than this, the event itself. I think the the relationship, not only the media had, but the, but the fans had with with those players. And I think that's something that's missing today. There was a real connection with that group from the Twins in particular that, that lost 102 games, I think, in 1982, and we saw them kind of grow up right before our eyes. And we all know the names by now, but there was a real bond, and I, I think that's missing. We don't use that word loyalty in sports anymore, as Jerry Seinfeld says, you're cheering for laundry. But I think back in that day when you had Bernanski and Puckett and Gaetti and Herbick and Laudner and Viola, and you go down the line, 
they were part of our fabric in this community, and people really glommed onto that team and and those teams in particular. So uh, those those will always stand out. Obviously, uh, going back before that to the Lake Placid and, and, and what happened in 1980 uh, will always stand out. And there's certainly individual moments, but I think the bond uh, in relationships, it's always been about relationships beyond the games, and I think that's what I'm most proud of in terms of my career. When uh, you made the announcement, um, obviously everyone wanted to talk to you about it, congratulate you on it. What's it mean when you hear what you've meant to people, whether it's I, listeners, whether it's coworkers and colleagues? I, I, I'm, I'm honestly uh, blown away by it because, you're, you know, Mike, you know this business. You're, you're, it's a day-by-day thing. You don't have retreats like a lot of businesses do. You don't go on these lo- uh, long weekends and talk about how we're going to make things differently. You just go literally day to day to day to day to day. And, you know, and, and I, I realize I've had a lot of uh, interns. I've had a lot of interns because I've always wanted to pay it forward, knowing what they, people did for me, that have, I, I get a, like a proud papa, great deal of satisfaction seeing that they've had success. If they stayed in this career or gone on to another career. And so when people come back to me and during this time in particular and say, hey, I can't thank you enough for treating me so well and and uh, always giving me a helpful uh, piece of advice or whatever the case may be. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's astonishing because that's all you can ask for in life. That's the stuff that's the most meaningful. And I've gotten so many emails and, from people that, and little things, meeting people in airports or whatever it might be, saying he had time for my son to take a picture or sign an autograph, whatever it is. And uh, that stuff means as much to me uh, as, as any pro athlete coming up to me and, and saying something. And then when you uh, hear feedback, too, from viewers who will say, you know, hey, I went to bed with you <laughs> at that 1025 every night for 45 years, Yeah, right? I always like hearing uh, when a woman comes up to me and says, I've gone to bed with you every night and wake, wake up with you every morning. I'm going, well, good. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm glad. I hope it worked out for you. I uh, hope your husband's approved of that. But, uh, no, it's it's very, very, very nice. and. But I think that's the relationship that we have in this community, that people have done, you know, local news. Uh, it, it, we are very appreciative of, the, of people inviting us into their homes every night. And I think that's the one thing with this day and age of social media. and People are on their, on their devices all the time, and it's, it's all information, but it's not real personal. And I think that's the one thing that local uh, television, local radio can do, still does. And I think it's more important today than ever before because we do feel like we bond with people, and I think that's what everyone's lacking right now. Uh, it's just it's so uh, distant and and so informal that I think the, the, that the fact that you know we are invited to the people's homes and they listen to us or watch us uh, makes it all the more meaningful. It's been very meaningful watching you on TV, my friend. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. That's Mark Rosen and Mike Grimm. Rosen says he plans to continue his frequent radio work with a Twin City sports station and will still be on television occasionally after he signs off in April. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. It was a busy week for educators across the state. MNN's Tasha Radel tells us it started Wednesday with news that Minnesota students continue to outperform the nation on the ACT college entrance exam. Then on Thursday, hundreds of educators gathered in St. Paul for their annual MEA conference. That's right, Scott. Education sure made the headlines this week. Let's start with the news that Minnesota students again topped the nation on the ACT. Joining me now is State Education Commissioner Brenda Caselius. Commissioner, I understand these improved scores could be related to a legislative move made a few years back. Can you explain? 
Yeah, thanks, Tasha. Several years ago, the legislature passed a a law to provide the ACT to all juniors to give them opportunity to be able to take the test in both their junior and their senior year. This would give them time to practice. And and I think that this is why we're seeing our scores uh, be steady as we have more participation and more equitable opportunities for kids, for instance, kids who can't take the test uh, because they don't have a test station close to them. Now they take the test right in their high school. And so uh, we know that being college and career ready is a an absolute important step for them is securing a good job. And we're really excited about the results today to show that kids are performing at uh, top levels. We have been for uh, over a decade now. And when we look at the average score uh, across the state, can you tell us a little bit about what we're seeing? Well, we see a slight dip for the average score of all students. But again, uh, that's because we give the test to about 90 nine percent of our students who are taking uh, the exam and among states that uh, give the exam uh, we score at the top for those states that are giving it to more than 90 percent of their students and so uh, as we continue to focus on all kids uh, that's that's the real important piece here because all kids need to have that entryway into getting a good job and that's usually getting some sort of post-secondary whether it's a two-year college or a four-year college. And, you know, I think I had read a quote uh, in the release that you would like to see more students taking advantage of uh, fee waivers. Can you explain that? Yeah, so our our students who um, are less advantaged than some of our wealthier students uh, have the opportunity through ACT to get a fee waiver. Of course, the state pays for it for them in 11th grade, um, but we know that they can increase their uh, points uh, on average, three to four points, if they take it a second time in their senior year. So there's, um, and of course, the colleges will take whatever your best score is. So it, there's no disadvantage to them not taking it a, a second time. So we're trying to encourage counselors and school administrators and teachers to tell our students who uh, are eligible for that fee waiver to, to go ahead and take that fee waiver and get those students taking it a second time. And are there still kids out there that aren't taking advantage, uh, I guess, of taking this test multiple times? Well, just about 27% of our students aren't taking the uh, ACT a second time. And so it's really important for our counselors and administrators to encourage them to do so. And it just demonstrates that uh, we are we're committed to equity and committed to every student um, doing their best and, and showing what they know so that they can get the college of their choice. Minnesota Education Commissioner Brenda Caselius. Let's switch gears a bit. On Thursday, educators from all across Minnesota gathered in St. Paul for the annual Minnesota Educator Academy, also known as MEA. Joining me now is Education Minnesota President Denise Speck. Denise, in years past, the annual MEA conference has been spread over two days. Can you explain why it's now held on a single day? Sure. We, we made the change to move to a one-day conference for a couple of reasons. One is um, we made some changes in our programming. Um, for example, we don't have a keynote speaker this year. Um, so as a result, um, we are able to fit in more sessions into the first day than we did when it was a two-day. Um, the other big change is that this is a members-only event. And so we are going to be able to offer all of the things um, that we've done, but we're going to be able to fit it all in one day for our members. 
Denise, I understand one of the main focuses of this year's conference centers around mental health and the effects of social media on adolescents. Is mental health a continued growing concern across our school districts? Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're seeing a couple of things. One is um, we're, we're, our students are coming to school with a lot more trauma, um, a lot of needs, and so we have to address those in our schools. But what we're also finding is our schools just simply do not have enough staff um, to support those students. Um, we have the lowest, um, like we're right at the bottom with our school counselor to student ratio. Um, we could be much better there. We need more um, so, uh, social workers and school psychologists. In a nutshell, we need trained professionals in our schools who are the experts at helping our students with the needs that they, that they, that they have. Thanks again to both of my guests, Denise Speck, President of Education Minnesota, and the state's Education Commissioner, Brenda Casalius. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns in a minute. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody, squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed, could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Each year in Minnesota, artists submit entries for five wildlife stamp design contests that help raise money for conservation. In 2017, one single artist won four of the five wildlife stamp design contests, a feat never accomplished until that point. This year, Tim Tureen is at it again as the winner of the pheasant stamp competition. MNN's J.W. Cox takes us behind the scenes of a wildlife art dynasty. For Minnesota contests alone, Terrain produced three winning turkey stamps, three winning pheasant stamps, two trout winners, and two walleye winners in a basement studio of his Richfield home. Inspiration for this year's triumph came not far from his own backyard. My inspiration actually came from Wood Lake Nature Center, which is just across the freeway for, from where I live. It's a nice place where they have a marsh and a, and a body of water. They have pheasant, for one, and they have fox, and they have you know, owls, and they have birds of prey, and they have deer in there, a herd of deer, which is kind of nice. It's just a nice place to go, and I do a lot of picture-taking there. And this particular scene that I had taken a picture of, which was in the spring of the year, was the snow was starting to go away. I took this particular photo of a log kind of coming in front, and I said, boy, that would make a really nice pheasant painting. And so with my pheasant reference that I had, and I usually use about 10 to 12 different pictures. I take pieces and bits from what I like from, from my pictures and 
combine them into one. So that pheasant probably has about five or six different pictures used to make him look like he's walking, which wasn't part of the same body, which wasn't part of the same head. So I create my own unique pictures just basically based on what I think looks good. As for his dominant run on canvas, that started in 2006 with two entries, one for the Minnesota Turkey Stamp and one the Maryland Black Bear Stamp. first two paintings that I have produced, both one, which I thought, oh my gosh, this is crazy. How can you win on the first two? Well, there's been plenty of years where I've been blanked out, so it didn't, didn't continue as, as much as I thought it was going to be like, wow. But anyway, the 2006 turkey that I had created was done a little bit different. About the, It's the same size because the size hasn't changed. But I actually did some turkey hunting I um, back in Wisconsin, and I had some uh, photo references of turkeys. And when I did this one with the two turkeys, it's kind of like a real foggy, kind of a early morning background, not really any light shining through, so I didn't put a lot of highlights on the turkeys, but I did have a very misty background, and that was a photo that I had taken in Wisconsin on my uncle's preserve, and that worked out really, really nice because it just really made the turkeys pop with that subdued background, and it was really, really nice. Tareen says the real secret sauce for his success is always being alert for inspiration. I'm thinking about it pretty much year-round as I'm out hiking or canoeing or fishing. I'm thinking about, hey, is this going to work for that contest? So I, I have the, I enter about eight contests still a year, and I have those on my mind all the time. With all his prior success, Tareen said this year's winning pheasant product stands out as his favorite so far. It's the first time that I have won a pheasant stamp with a male and a female, because usually it's just a lone male that I had painted. It's very hard for the judges to pick one with a male and a female, because most of the judges are not as familiar with the female of the species as they are with the male, which makes them a little hesitant on picking one because they don't want to be wrong in case there's something technically wrong with it. So when I put this together, I thought, my gosh, this is such a great composition, and I just love to have the female in there, you know. It, to me, shows that they're mating and they're together and there's going to be more pheasant, and I just like that idea. And also this one, I put more scenery in this one and didn't keep it as designy as I did my other one, so I kind of went out on a limb on this, and I ended up uh, doing really, really well. Tureen's love for the outdoors makes the conservation aspect of the contest a huge draw for him, but he also wants to help further the craft of wildlife art. I want to keep this going in Minnesota. This is where I live. I just want these to continue, and what I think is really interesting and what I really enjoy doing is going to the judging and meeting young artists who have entered for the first time or they've been just doing this maybe the second or third year, and they're always they're always on the last table. They're not getting moved to the second round or the first round. And I sit with them, and we talk about their painting, and I talk about mine, and they are really, really enlightened in where to go, and that's about the only way I can think I can bring these people into creating better and entering so that we can keep it going. As for slowing down, that's not in Tureen's plans just yet. I'm going to keep painting as long as my eyesight holds up and I'm able to keep my hand steady, and thank God I'm able to do both of those still, you know. And, of course, I've thought about, you know, what happens if I get Parkinson's and what happens, but I, I put that aside and said what happens, what happens is down the road. you got to do what you can do now and not worry about it. So, yeah, I'm going to do it for a long time, and, uh, you know, I, I enjoy it so much, and I enjoy the rewards of money going into conservation and, and having this planet so that we have, you know, 
wetlands set aside and marshes and hiking trails and people to enjoy what we have because that's really what it's all about. You can view his winning artwork via Tureen's personal website, wildforart.net. Scott, back to you. Thank you, JW. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.